Hello everyone. I'm Harshal Mehta and welcome back to our podcast channel Investonomy. In our previous podcast, we have discussed about investing into equities. So today we decided to zero down on one such particular topic, which is investing into small and mid-cap stocks. In order to discuss this topic today, we have a very special guest with us. He has a experience of over a decade working with the Kotak Mutual Fund. He is the senior fund manager. Hi Pankaj Shribrawal, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure Harshal to be on your show. Thank you. Very logical question which has been going around the markets. The first point being that there is a disconnect between the markets and economy as such. And let me explain you the disconnect in the form of economy has been down because of various reasons and majorly because the businesses are shut there are no profits the unemployment rate is increasing whereas the markets have started recovering since the march levels we do understand that stocks factor into future news but what since there is no clarity on the vaccines of the corona virus as of now why there is such disconnect between the markets and the economy okay Uh, thanks, Ashil, and a, a very relevant and a pertinent question in today's scenario. Uh, and this narrative is, uh, you know, puzzling everybody. That is there a big disconnect between economy and markets? If you look at uh, this year, it will be a very difficult year for Indian economy. Uh, for almost two months, the economy was almost shut down. Uh, we didn't had economic activity. And if I was to go street estimate, people are expecting anywhere between. Five to ten percent GDP contraction. Uh, also, if you look at the fiscal deficit, it's likely to move up this year, anywhere between two to five percent higher than the previous year when state and center combined. Corporate profitability will also take a hit, especially in companies which have a higher fixed cost structure, higher leverage, and higher discretionary say uh, on the overall product basket. So this year is no doubt a difficult year, but if you slightly look ahead, the problem which we are facing in the Indian economy is because of the shutdown for almost two months. And if you do a simple math, that two months out of the twelve months, uh, we virtually had very little activity, and that's about sixteen percent. And even if you assume economy operated at fifty percent, we're talking about a hit of about eight percent. So in our view, I think this year would be a in outlier year, and we should not base our investment thesis looking at a very near term. And I think FY22 will be a more normalized year in terms of economic activity and corporate profitability. And I think clearly market is looking ahead in that direction. The second, if you go back into the history, we had many crises in the past. Uh, we had the 9/11. We had the tech bubble burst. We had the Asian financial crisis. We had the 2008 global financial crisis, tapering, uh, then the oil crisis. And every time in the near term, during those events, the sentiments were the same which it is today. Uh, a very highly pessimist scenario sentiment, and people extrapolated the current set of events into the future, which I think is always loaded with risk. So in our view. in the near term the economy has challenges but next year if the, there is no lockdown and economy functions normally 
you will see a double digit growth rate in the economy coming back and i think markets are clearly backing in that number one the second point i think it's a very interesting point if you if you look at it that the value of any company is nothing but the future cash flows discounted to the present and if you take a unlevered company and do a dca which is discounted cash flows for 10 years and then assume any terminal growth rate and you discount it to the present and and drop the profits by 50 to 60% of that company in the first year you will see that the intrinsic value of that company doesn't change by more than 10 to 12% and if you drop the interest rates which is a discount rate because globally interest rates are coming down the value change is not substantial even if the profits drop by 50 60% in the first year and in the month of march and april we saw that many such companies which have a very strong and healthy balance sheet and a good capital structure the price damage was more than 40 to 50% market clearly corrected that problem but in the case of levered company the situation is not the same in the case of levered company there is a risk that the equity value may get negative if for one or two years the profit drops by a substantial amount and in this market also if you look at the markets are very smart to differentiate between a levered high fixed cost company versus a unlevered and a flexible cost structure company and many businesses which are uh, on leverage are probably not run up as to the extent with the unlevered companies have so in our view i think what our thought is that yes this year is going to be a challenging year but the best would be to look this year as an outlier year and not extrapolate this event into the future in a medium to long term and that's what i think markets are clearly focusing on also the second portion is the liquidity i think globally central banks have printed a lot of money the fed balance sheet is expanded to 7 trillion dollars and also that has acting as a catalyst for market to come back very strongly from the march moves so i think in the near term there may be a disconnect between where the markets are and where the economy is but when you slightly look ahead into the future i think i don't find a very big disconnect between what markets are pricing in and where economy should be in the next couple of years one of the point which you mentioned about the past trends it is very interesting to note that if we see a past trend specifically post any pandemic it comes out that post the pandemic the first one to rally are large cap stocks post that small and mid cap does get rally so obviously we don't ask for advice but what are your views if let's say someone wants to invest at the current levels into the small and mid cap obviously not from a return point of view but to just you know get the companies at a best valuation they can buy at low the point being obviously buying at low and since if we see the past trends the mid cap and small cap do get rallied post any uh, uh, let's say uh, 2008 9 financial crisis or let's say 2002 3 tech boom so would you advise or let's say would you suggest anyone to enter at current levels or still it's a wait and watch policy to be adopted a uh, a very good question harshal and uh, let me give you some facts uh, 
in the last 3 years it's a fact that broader markets have trailed the frontline indices by quite a margin you know and the broader markets have not done well at all yes and since january 2018 mid and small cap indices have seen a very sharp pullback and broader markets have been in pain for the last 30 months just to put on record the current downturn in the mid and small caps is already one of the longest and deepest especially for the small caps since january 2018 till 23rd march 2020 when the markets made a bottom almost 80% of the top 1500 companies by market cap had already corrected by more than 50 to 70% 50% and 70% of them corrected by more than 60% actual this kind of a price damage is already similar to the one we saw in 2008-9 period as we were already under weak economic conditions for the last few years even pre covid even during the financial crisis the pain in the mid and small caps were not so long the current divergence between the performance of large and mid cap small cap is at historical extremes the relative valuation if you look at of mid and small cap companies versus nifty has corrected back to 2014 level and today you are getting the small cap index of 2011 levels and in our view history suggests that such divergence don't exist for too long and post such large underperformance of the broader market this segment tends to outperform large caps over the next 18 to 24 months no doubt in the near term some mid cap and small cap companies will face trouble due to tight credit conditions demand conditions led by lockdown but we can't centralize the same for the entire space and the universe in our view there are many companies in the mid and small cap segment which are leaders in their segment which are focused on domestic economy take for example the entire home building segment tiles plywood agrochemicals auto ancillary specialty chemicals durables it which are strongly positioned on balance sheet and cash flows and in our view they would benefit from this downturn in terms of increase in market share our focus is to uh, clearly focus on such companies which would be able to navigate the downturn and emerge stronger we also believe and as i said earlier that if fy22 will be a more normalized year for economic growth and when the economy turns the corner and growth rate increases this segment will benefit the most and our belief is that the bottom up stock picking approach will be rewarded in this space as it has in the past contrary to the belief that whether to invest in this segments we are actually advocating a very high allocation towards mid and small caps through stp and sip over the next 6 to 12 months and our and our logic is that the past 3 years and 5 year returns has not been good for the segment and in life and in markets mean reversion is a fact and our belief is the space will bounce back very strongly and if somebody has a horizon of next 3 to 5 years one should definitely consider the space from a scp and sip perspective and investment perspective 
Right. As you mentioned about investing into mid and small caps for a long-term horizon, let's say investors get, decide their mind to invest into this particular segment. So can you please help us and let them know that how should one go ahead and select a particular sector? Obviously, it would be for a long-term perspective. And once a sector has been finalized, what kind of approaches, like which particular company they would invest into? The factors, basically. Obviously, we don't want you to name up the companies, but what are the particular parameters to be looked into? Okay. Uh, a very uh, good question. And I'll, I'll take us through to our investment template, uh, which we use uh, over the last many, many years and which has been helpful in selecting stocks and making less mistakes. So the template which we approach or the template which we use is the BNB template, business, management, and valuation. And I think I'll go uh, in each of these parameters in a slightly detailed one so that all the listeners are able to relate with what I am saying. So first look at business. I think this is the most important part when we evaluate any company. And every investor should ask whenever they are investing in any company that what's the substantial moat or competitive advantage this company runs at? What is the right to win for this company? The advantage could be in terms of R&D. The advantage could be in terms of product. The R&D, uh, the advantage could be in terms of technology. The advantage could be in terms of distribution. Or the advantage could be in terms of all of the above plus the capital structure. So one has to know what is the right to win for this company. Is it a small fish in a large pond or a large fish in a small pond? What it means is, is the runway for growth there for this company in terms of the penetration level and over the longer periods of time, how long the company can grow is the question you need to ask. Obviously, our focus has always remained while evaluating businesses on balance sheet and cash flows. And we have always followed the principle that top line is vanity, bottom line is sanity, and cash in bank is reality. There's no point looking at top line if it doesn't convert into profits. And there's no point looking at only accounting profit if it doesn't convert into cash flows. And this basic principle has helped us avoid a lot of mistakes into the future and look at businesses which have strong competitive advantage. The second while evaluating business is to look at that what is the return on capital this business can run over sustainable periods of time. And cap returns, I mean, return on capital employed and return on equity. And I believe that the biggest mover or evaluation of a stock is nothing but return on capital and return on equity over the medium to long term. And if the company can earn a very high return on capital, even on the incremental business over longer periods of time, I think it's, it's, it's prudent to enough that the business has some very strong competitive advantage. Also, we need to understand the cash flow stream. Is it scalable? Has longevity? And in this world of disruption, we also need to give equally important uh, thought process to the disruption risk which a business is running. So I think evaluating underlying business is very, very important in the starting point. The second, I think, in the VMB approach is the management. And I think management and promoter 
pedigree framework is one of the most important criteria we evaluate because we are not going to run the company ourselves we will be dependent on the people who are running the company and in our view management needs to be honest passionate hard working and a very high level of integrity and the biggest thing which we see for a management is their capital allocation strategy in the past and how reliable they have been and how fair the management has been in the past to the minority shareholders we spend a lot of time at the ground level seeking opinion from the ecosystem about the management from their customers suppliers ex employees other stakeholders bankers etc and look at their execution and the promise which they have made over the last many many years so looking at the past we get a very fair picture on the management uh, and and draw a conclusion towards uh, how they will execute their business plans into the future the third important component in our approach and template is valuation and we should always know for a fact that you need to have a margin of safety you should not overpay for a company however good the company is because we always believe price what you pay is the return what you get and only buying great companies but not at the right price also has their own risk so we believe that investing in good growth companies managed by great management should be bought at fair valuations and no better time in the last 3 months we got that where we got a lot of companies which were trading below their intrinsic value because of the fear in the market so we have you know kind of built this uh, template in in our overall philosophy and that's helped us in selecting many of the companies which are part of our portfolio and have done reasonably well this was really insightful and till date in depth explanation having uh, said that uh, since you have really explained it well we take one particular point which you just mentioned about is valuation obviously normally investors who don't know or maybe don't read valuations they get intrigued about how a company is being valued so in newspapers sometimes there has been mentioned that a company is not valued properly or it is overvalued since and hence you should avoid buying this stock but what is the process goes behind a valuation of a company like to be more precise what are the factors required to be considered or what are the factors that move a valuation of a company a oh, very very interesting uh, question and as a practitioner i will give you some insights on that uh you know at the fundamental level uh, what we discussed is that and i have been often asked this question that uncle what factors move the valuation of the company uh, and at the most fundamental level if you look at herschel the value of any asset is some of the future cash flow discounted to the present right and from a practical perspective this means the matrix which influence valuation are number 1 importance of cash flows versus accounting profits the second one is growth the third one is return on invested capital which can be either in the form of return on capital employed return on equity the fourth is the discount rate and the fifth is the capital structure of the company all these five things eventually move the valuation of a company over a medium to long term and look at the first one i think markets are in the short term obsessed by accounting profits but our 
experience in the past has been that companies with good profits but weak cash flows get a lower multiple from the markets on the other hand companies consistently get premium multiples from the market those have consistently generated good cash flows along with accounting profits look at a small example amazon is one of the most valued companies in the world but if you look at over the last two two and a half decades the company has focused on generating a very high free cash and not really cared for accounting profits and amazon for many years didn't generate much in accounting profits but generated very strong free cash and hence markets rewarded it with a very high premium multiple so accounting profits is important but along with good cash flows and if cash flows are missing markets are smart enough to give them a lower multiple look at the second part which is growth and a growth is most important it's very difficult to forecast a growth in the near medium and long term especially in an era where we are looking in uh, staying in in an in era of disruption but whenever the overall value of the company increases i mean uh, growth increases the value of the company tends to increase assuming all the other factors being equal in our view if a company's return on equity remains below the cost of equity and this is a very important point one should understand that if a roe of a company is below the cost of equity and the company's management tries to grow the company the high growth is actually toxic and destroys the value of the firm as the company would need to raise capital either debt or equity to meet growth needs growth will only add value if the return on equity of the company is higher than the cost of equity and in many companies we have seen that managements try to you know move on to a higher growth path assuming if they are at 8 9% return on equity and that's actually toxic that actually destroys shareholder value the first thing companies should do is move the return on equity to a higher level than cost of equity and then chase growth so growth we need to understand very closely and it's a difficult thing to predict but if we can get the growth rate right for a company and the right capital structure i think we have got a winner the third point and the most important point is the return on equity and and its sustainability and why is it important when the return on equity or return on invested capital increases the net present value and the p also increases because the company has to invest less to generate the same rate of earnings growth similarly when a company's return on equity and capital deteriorates the company goes through a derating process and for companies which are low or roe the delta roe adds higher value and pe rises exponentially on the other hand in high roe companies the management should not waste their time increasing or focusing on increasing the roe let me give you a small example if a company is already operating in 30% return on equity it will be a futile exercise for management to increase that 30 to 33 34 35 because that delta roe change will not add a lot of value but if the growth rate is 15% and management kind of can move that growth from 15 to 25% keeping the roe at 30% the value creation will be far far higher so i think that's where return on equity and invested capital becomes very very important and that's where 
many companies which are high on ROE and when they move on to the growth pedal you see a huge value creation the fourth one is cost of capital lower discounting rates translates into higher p multiples because finally you are doing a discounted cash flows at a lower rates and it's a very sensitive variable for p expansion and contraction the fifth and the last point is the capital structure which in a way relates with what i have said in the last four points that companies with high debt generally get lower multiples as markets remain worried about the company's ability to service debt in the future from a capital allocation perspective companies where incremental capital is allocated to businesses harsher with high roe they get a better multiple than companies where incremental capital is allocated to businesses with low roe so if you if you look at these five basic principles which have been guiding force for us in our in our portfolio management every day and if you follow it strictly probably over medium to long term you will have winners in your portfolio i was really impressed before winding up our podcast one final question regarding what would be a market sentiment for the month of august since we have you on our podcast obviously we have the privilege to ask you this particular question so you know it in my term after a very sharp pullback in the market so look at uh from march lows nifty is up almost 45% mid caps and small caps are higher than almost 45 44% depending on which index we are talking about so we have seen a very sharp pullback and markets have climbed the wall of worry which we have discussed uh, earlier in the podcast yes uh so there is a reasonable amount of probability that you may see a global market pullback in the near term because in the near term markets will position themselves for the us elections which are due to be held on uh, in november and in our view after such a sharp pullback there could be some amount of profit taking but we believe that if one has a medium to long term view uh, which is 3 to 5 years i think indian economy is is in a very sweet position and in our view if one can cut the short term noise and just focus on good companies over medium to long term i think we all will be surprised that over the next 3 to 5 years when we look on the hindsight covid will come as a footnote and probably we would then repent that the water time it was to look from an investment perspective so i think yes in the near term probably there is a risk that markets may see some pullback there will be volatility in the markets as people adjust themselves to the new normal but if one takes a 3 to 5 year call i think the way where we are positioned in the economy the way things are happening in terms of supply chain disruption and i think india is a clear beneficiary out of it in many sectors i see that in many companies you will see a very huge value creation and in all these points harshal we missed out that you know over the medium to long term it's not only what we need to hunt for multi band but we need to avoid mistakes as well and i think avoiding mistakes is equally very very important in investment world rather than identifying the winners you know everybody you know try to focus on where i can make the next 100 200 300% in the next 6 months but if you invert that 
and you try and find situations where you can't lose over the next few years, the latter is often the times when you find the next compounding stories and big multi-barrier. So don't get too obsessed with the near term. Have a focus and eye on the medium to long term. Try avoiding mistakes. And there you will find your money compounding at a very higher rate. With this, I think I will I will probably leave it to leave it to a, on that uh, and hand it over to you. Sure, thanks a lot, and thanks a lot for joining us. It was really grateful to have you. Thanks, thanks, Ashwin, and it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. No material on this podcast should be considered as a financial advice. The material on the podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decisions.